Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, October 12th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamineni. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Hey, Grace. Um, welcome back. We don't know how often you'll be here for, for a little bit, but we are glad to have you back to chat with you whenever you are available. Um, I wanted to start because I just recorded a travelogue episode and I said I was going to talk about something, but I completely forgot to get into it. So this is something that I did not know. Um, and maybe, Grace, you might know if other shows do this as well, but this is not something that I'd ever heard of. I don't do stage doors usually. Um, but I went and saw Merrily on Tuesday night and my friend Heather, who I went with, really wanted to to do it and see if she could get a picture or an autograph or something from either Daniel or Jonathan. And so we went out, we went around because the stage door for the Hudson is on the is on 45th, even though the main entrance is on 44th. So we walked around the block and we were standing. There was already a lot of people there. And I said to her, I was like, oh, I bet a lot of these people didn't even see the show because there's no way they could have gotten around that quickly for that many of them. And so we were just kind of standing there and Heather, being much more friendly than I am, started talking with somebody. And the lady said, oh, did you see the show? And Heather said, yeah. And she said, oh, well, you can just show them your ticket and you can go inside the barricade. Um, so they had like an actual place inside a barricade where Daniel Radcliffe came out and just walked along the barricade and signed autographs and took pictures. Um, but it was exclusively for people who had tickets. And I'd never seen that before. Is that something, Grace, do you know if that's commonplace or is that something unique just for a big star like Daniel Radcliffe who had multiple security guards yeah. around him at all times? I mean, that sounds like what they have to do for this particular person. And it's so valid. And the fact that he even is is coming out of that door is huge um, because none of us uh, have, you know, guarantee access to any one human being. Um, right. But I think that, yeah, I think it's kind of brilliant. And I think that we're going to start to see a lot of shows implementing various rulings for, for how they deal with this stuff. But I think that's a really smart way to just be able to, to guarantee that the people that are there that you are having proximity with are the people that paid to see you. Yeah, it was very cool. He was very generous, took pictures, signed autographs. I I, uh, I took a picture of, of Heather with him and I did like the whole over my head selfie thing with him while he was signing somebody's autograph. So if you go over to my Instagram, you can see those pictures. But it was very smart. He was the only one really that came out. Nobody else came out. Um, so afterwards, they like waited like five minutes and they're like, OK, that's everybody that's coming out. So I don't know if they went out the 44th Street exit or if there's a different uh, way that they got out, but he was really the only one. I think one more ensemble member had come out before him, but but Jonathan, Lindsay, uh, Crystal, Katie, Reg, no one else came out. But I think for the vast majority of people, seeing Daniel Radcliffe was the thing that they were waiting for anyway. So if you do want to hear my full thoughts on Merrily River Long, you can head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon to hear my travelogue episode about that. All right. Um, unfortunately, we do have to start the show with the sad news of the passing of Stephen Lutvak, who was the musical mind behind the Tony winning musical A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. He passed away earlier this week at the age of 64. He it's kind of funny. I listen to the songs from this show regularly and I keep waiting. I'm like, oh, when's the team from uh, from A Gentleman's Guide going to do more? And this was the only thing that as far as I know, really hit big for um, for them. It was written by uh, Stephen Lutvak and had a book by Robert L. Friedman. 
and Friedman collaborated on uh, the lyrics with Steven. But it was a show that earned Lutvac a Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Lyrics, another nomination for music, and a Tony nomination for original score. He had previously won um, both the Kleban and Fred Ebb Awards, as well as a Jonathan Larson grant, had written um, a ton of other things, uh, including a musical called Campaign of the Century, which he wrote with Friedman, which won a California Musical Theater Composition Award from the Beverly Hills Theater Guild. He also did other musicals that I didn't, uh, I hadn't heard of until his passing. Almost September, he adapted the A.R. Gurney show *The Wayside Motor Inn* as a musical, and, and something that I'm assuming is based off of *Hunchback*, called *Esmeralda*. So always sad uh, when we hear of passing of somebody, but especially somebody who had such a, a huge hit, and that was really the only thing on their career that we know them for. But sending our thoughts out to everybody who knew and loved his work, and knew and loved him, either personally or professionally. All right, Grace, this is a story that I don't know where to go with this. But according to a report from this new website called The Messenger, which has a bunch of backers from like famous uh, publications and stuff, Tom Kitt is working on a new musical with Jerry Zucker. Now, you might not say, oh, who's Jerry Zucker? He is the guy who directed some of the most quirky, funny, over-the-top movies of all time, including Airplane and Top Secret, The Naked Gun. Um, But he also directed Ghost, and he's kind of this, this, this weird career. But according to the report, they are working on a show, and Kit shared, quote, I'll tell you that it's an original musical from his genius mind, so if you know Jerry's work, you can imagine how zany and fun this show is. So, zany seems like it's leaning a little bit more in the naked gun, police squad, airplane direction. I've said it before, I have reservations about Tom Kit's music. I don't know that when I think of zany and fun and over the top that Tom Kit is the guy that I would go with, but I don't know what to make of this, Grace. Like, are you... I, I, I feel like even if Jerry Zucker films, maybe aside from Ghost, aren't somebody's thing, like it, you can't help but love like Airplane and some of the crazy lines. So how that humor translates to a Broadway stage, I'm not exactly sure. So what if I told you they've been working on this musical for quite some time, possibly okay. like 10 years, a lot of different workshops have been a development. Okay. And the thing that I think that the most feedback that I got was like that the music. And I, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn. Um, I think that this was airplane. And I think that the lens of comedic Wait, hold, on stage. Hold, hold, yeah. hold on. Let me ask this question. When you say you think it's airplane, like it's literally a musical adaptation of airplane. No, I don't think this is airplane. If it's anything, it's probably intermission. But I thought that that show kind of like lost its steam a little bit ago. So maybe it's picking back up with a different team. Who knows? But yeah, so and it might be something totally different. Um, but I think that the 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 zaniness of that style of comedy um, that is translated in film, translating on stage is quite a different medium. I think it's something that we're we're finding with Death Becomes Her. You know, uh, things that kind of rely on edits and quick takes and zooms and you know there it's just a different medium which is both exciting and challenging um but i'm i'm particularly curious you know uh leslie isn't it leslie nielsen in in naked gun and uh airplane Airplane. films Mm -hmm. yeah i mean he's so quintessential for that i'm curious like 
who are, I, I would honestly, he's not at all the same, but when I think of somebody that's that memorable on stage and that kind of character performance, sometimes that's Christian Borel. Sometimes that can be yeah, like, um, that's who I went. Right. You know, like I, I'm trying to think of some, some other people that, um, honestly, um, Michael McGraw was also in that category yeah. for me. Um, so that's so fascinating. I'm, I'm curious why they're picking this one up again now, but uh, I think that I think that I'm not crazy, um, but I could be. So, well, you know, it's, and it's interesting because I I said this on the travelogue episode when I talked about Little Shop of Horrors, Bryce Pinkham as Doctor Orange Gravello DDS and others was funny, but it was a lot. Like it felt like he was just going way over the top. And while Christian Borel in that same role was over the top, it felt natural and grounded as well as being over the top, which is a very, very difficult thing to pull off. So when you talk about the comedy of something like Airplane, you have to be able to hit both of those extremes at the exact same time. And while you think, oh, it's this big, broad comedy, this can't be that hard, to do it well and not be a little bit grating is difficult. And I think you're 100% right on like Christian Borel being a guy who can do that. And I mean, who knows if it's him? Who knows what direction they go with? I mean, I also think Alex Brightman would be good at that too. But oh my uh, God, amen. I do want to throw out also uh, Bill Eugene Jones, who you just saw. Oh my saw. God. I think I I would die to see him in this type of role. But also Chris Sieber. How did I not just say Chris Sieber? Yeah. <laughs> he, Chris I mean, he's, good. he's so big. He's so uh, he can be so uh, hilariously stoic. So I don't know. But I'm I'm curious to see, you know, anytime they're doing kind of like a, especially with Tom Kidd attached, like that kind of, you know, Broadway adaptation adaptation pedigree is very important. Um, but I think this is the same one they've been kicking around. So we'll stay tuned. Okay. I neglected to really dive into Billy Eugene Jones on my travelogue episode because I went on and on about Carrie Young. He is so good in Pearly Victorious. Like, he is just amazing. He has these little moments that are very reminiscent of John Krasinski in The Office where he will yep. just look at the audience and I'm like, that's like that thing. Just Lorne, like the, yeah. Lorne Michaels, Lorne Michaels calls this the Keenan effect where he would write into scripts and then cut to Keenan for a reaction. That is what you are getting with Billy Eugene Jones. Like I'm firmly believing <laughs> All right, so next story I want to talk about is the fact that we are getting a new play by the acclaimed playwright Jez Butterworth, and it is being directed by Sam Mendes when it has its West End premiere later uh, this season. It is going to be called The Hills of California, and it will play at the Harold Pinter Theater in London beginning on January 27th of 2024. It is currently slated to run through June 15th. Um, Mendez most recently worked with Butterworth on both the West End and Broadway engagements of The Ferryman. This play is set in Blackpool in 1976, and it takes place in the driest summer in 200 years, with beaches and hotels packed to capacity. Far from the tourist thoroughfares, the Webb sisters cram into the guesthouse of their former home as their mother lies dying. No casting has been announced as of yet, but anytime you have Jez Butterworth writing something and Sam Mendez directing something for a stage grace, like that's must see stuff. Like I still go back to, I saw Jerusalem on Broadway. I have literally no idea what happened in that show. I did not know what happened on the show when I saw that show, but it was just so captivating and mesmerizing that you couldn't just marvel at the, at the work itself. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. I did not, but I agree with you. You can tell that that's definitely (laughs) what they're going for here. All right, let's come back stateside. And it was announced on Wednesday, a new play that will be coming to 59 East 59th, starting previews on November 3rd and currently scheduled to run just for a few weeks through November 8th. It is a new play written by number 11 productions and directed by Ryan Emons. It is called Pear. The cast will be led by Emily Batista, who I saw as Kim both on Broadway and on tour in Miss Saigon. She was very, very good. It is inspired by the lives of real world artists and Pear is a playful meditation on the nature of art and partnership. This is very cool. I love when people that I know from musicals do straight plays. So uh, excited to hear all about this when it heads over to 59 East 59th next month. And then, Grace, this is one that I think is right up your alley for multiple reasons. But it was announced yesterday that Life and Times of Michael Kay will get a North American premiere off-Broadway at St. Anne's Warehouse later this year. Are you familiar with this show at all, Grace? No. Tell me more. Okay. So it was at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year, and it features... Puppetry by Handspring Puppet Company, which is the group that did War Horse. It is going to run from November 29th through December 23rd. It's called A Puppet Show for Adults. It is uh, an adaptation of a 1983 award-winning novel by South African director Laura Foote. It is set during apartheid in the 1970s and 80s, and it is the story of a man who was born with a cleft lip. Growing up in institutions and eventually becoming a gardener in Cape Town, Michael is determined to take his sick mother back to her hometown. But the journey into the countryside amidst a fictitious civil war is dangerous, and the trials that await him are beyond those that he expected. So, fringe, puppets, this seems like made for you, Grace. Yeah, I'm really fascinated. Um, There's been a lot of talk about everything coming out of the Edinburgh Fringe, which I think is exciting because that means that the Fringe is back um, and that it's like actually still a a vehicle of discovery for (laughs) new work. Um, So I'm excited. You know, I'll, I'll be signing up for any puppet shows, any and all. Absolutely. So the next thing I want to talk about is a show that we've already discussed once. However, it has had a little bit of a cast change. When Mad Woman of the West begins performances on November 11th at the Actors Temple Theater, it will still have stars Caroline Aaron, Mary Lou Henner, and Melody Mayron, but Joe Beth Williams has had to drop out due to a scheduling conflict. She has been replaced by Brooke Adams. She will join the show that is written by Sandra Singh Lowe and directed by Thomas Caruso. We are obviously very excited about this one to have Mary Lou Henner back on a stage in New York, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to her about this show coming up. And then last little bit of news here, Grace, this is something that feels very much coded for me based off of the uh, the plot description. But on October 23rd, there will be a, an industry only reading of a new musical called True North. It will feature music by Holly Reed, who co-wrote the show with her with her husband, Kelvin Reed. I think Holly Reed wrote the book and lyrics and collaborated on the music. It feels very much like a Hallmark movie, but it is uh, centered around a widowed father who has been sent on a military mission just a few weeks before Christmas, leading his son on a quest to bring him home in time for the holiday. The cast includes Paolo Montalban, which is always exciting, Amanda Jane Cooper, Major Attaway, Paige Foray, and others. If you want more information about this, head over to the show notes. 
And finally, we have got a, a little bit of a first look from two different videos from New York City Center Encores about the upcoming production of Pal Joey. They started rehearsals earlier this week. We've got um, performances from Ephraim Sykes and Aisha Jackson. And uh, it just sounds incredible. It sounds so much fun. The cast is great. And in, in addition to them, we know that Elizabeth Stanley is in the show. Uh, Sevian Glover, as we talked about, is co-directing and choreographing, and he is appearing in the show as well. So this one's coming up sooner than uh, I probably realized. It begins performances on November 1st and is currently slated to run through November 5th. What happens with it from there? Who knows, Grace? I guess we will have to wait and see. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can follow me pretty much anywhere at BWW Matt. Grace, where can people find you? You can find me at It's Grace Aki. And thank you for, for doing the show some days um, when, when I can't. But uh, otherwise, yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Thursday. We'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. 